ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, you can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. concerning the lives, the minds, and the bodies of these people who stand here. We rebuke you and every foul spirit that may still have a resting place somewhere in their uh, innermost being. We bind them. For these people have heard the call of God to dedicate and consecrate themselves to God, and you must flee and your host must be defeated utterly. We come against you in the name of Jesus Christ, and we bind every foul and wicked spirit that would bind body, mind, soul, any area of their life to keep it from being effective for the Lord. We bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you and we loose from these people the spirits of power, love, sound mind. We loose the spirits of wisdom, revelation. We loose the spirits of courage. We loose the spirits of power over the enemy. And we loose all the spirits of God to do their office work in and through these people as they go forth. Moreover, we loose the spirit of Elijah to break the power of Jezebel on our land. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask you, Lord, uh, to loose the spirit of humility, the spirit of servanthood on everyone here. Let everyone be desirous of taking the place of a servant. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for it. Amen. Welcome to Omega Man Radio Network. Uh, I'm your host, Shannon Davis. Tonight is a live show. It is September the 26th, Sunday evening. Man, I can't believe it's another week down. Uh, well, praise God, we've got a special guest, John Franklin, a minister from Canada. He was on um, a week or so ago. We're privileged to have him back. John will be preaching tonight on forgiveness, peace, and hope. Be doing a warfare prayer and a mass deliverance over the air live tonight. So this is a program you do not want to miss. Not too late to dial up your friends and family and have them tune in. All right, without further ado, let's get John on the line. Brother Franklin, are you with me? Hello, Shannon. Lord's blessings there. Well, God bless you, my friend. Thank you for coming back on again this week. My pleasure. John, uh, could we have you start out, uh, open up the 
program with uh, prayer. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, guided by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Lord, we do bless and praise and glorify you for all the things you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for giving us this day in which we can worship you on the Lord's Day. We thank you for this evening where we can spend time with with other believers looking at your word. And we thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord, peace you've given us for today. And thank you, Lord, for hope for the future. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind the strong and all the evil ones working through us. Omega Man Radio, over all those who are listening now or will be on the archives. I'm also binding the strong and central over those that are sending ungodly things against us because we just cut it all off and we send it back immediately to the original demonic center. But I cover us all here with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I break all curses, devices, witchcraft, psychic prayers on or against us and ours, the Omega Man Radio Nation. I return all that stuff to me. I ask, Lord, that you would restore the souls of the people. And I ask, Lord, that you would indeed give people hope for the future that nobody need to give up. Again, I cover us all with the blood of the Lord Jesus. So in Jesus' mighty name and by his blood, amen. Amen. And uh, if you're just tuning in, this is a live program. We've got uh, Minister John Franklin on tonight. And we're going to be back with John here in a moment. Uh, let's go to a break. We're going to play a song by... Brother and Sister Franklin, called Never Give Up. Here we go.
John, um, that's true, my friend. At one point or a time or another in our lives, we're all going to fall, hit the ground sometimes. But as long as we don't give up and we get back up, then Satan has not won. Amen. So praise, praise God. We just uh, we just got to keep pushing forward. Um, so, brother, I'm excited to have you on tonight, and uh, God put a message on your heart, a uh, message of forgiveness, peace, and hope. Yes. Amen. Take the mic, my friend. Okay. Okay, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings you've given us, your blessings on the message, your blessings on those who have been, uh, well, victims of abuse. Let the Lord you show them there is hope for them, and the hope is in Jesus Christ, our precious Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to talk about forgiveness, peace, and hope, based on Matthew 11, 28-30. With all the reports of abuse around the world, how many people have been affected? And the healing processes, are they adequate? Do they deal with the deep problems on the spiritual level? What's needed is a different approach. Instead of working from the outside in, we will start from the inside at the spiritual level. Uh, John, pardon me. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, we're getting a little bit of feedback that uh, the volume level is a little bit low. Anything you can do to boost it? Volume level? Uh, you know, that's about all I can do there, Shannon. Okay, let's uh, keep pushing forward. Folks, this is live, ready on 8-bit, and uh, we are patched in between Canada and the USA, so uh, praise God, we're going to push forward. Okay. Even though psychotherapy is the world's main method of treatment, I will not be advocating it. I believe that God's way is best. God has provided forgiveness for the past, peace for the present, and hope for the future through the shed blood of His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. John 15.24, If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. And he is the only one 
we can trust the help. Uh, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When dealing with abuse, there are many factors to consider. One of them is the breach of trust. Victims feel that everyone betrayed or abandoned them, like church, parents, governments, social agencies, etc., even God. But please do not blame God for the abuse. He had nothing to do with it. Ezekiel 34 and Matthew 23 show what God thinks about it. And he will deal with the abusers in his own way and in his own time. Romans 12:19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. God did not tell them to abuse anyone. And God does not tell anyone to kill people, even abortion doctors. In John 8, 7, So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Everyone suffers some type of abuse in their lives, ranging from childhood to elder abuse. The main thing is how we deal with it. Some advise people, don't get angry, get even. However, this is not the best approach because violence begets violence. But victims should remove themselves from the abusive situation as soon as possible. And there's more to the process of getting free. The ungodly bonds or evil soul ties with the abuser will have to be broken so the soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions can be restored. Only God in Christ Jesus offers this to you. In Psalm 23.3, He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Yes, our Lord Jesus Christ came to help people. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I won't insult you and tell you that I know everything that you went through. Everyone's situation is different and extremely personal. For many years now, we have been supporting a charity called Rhodesia Christian Group. 
They help those who have been uh, displaced by the brutality in Zimbabwe. The extent of abuse and violence there is so great that many have lost their lives. I recently saw an article about a farmer who wouldn't leave his land. Why Christians refuse to hate. My experiences in Mugabe, Zimbabwe. Off BeliefNet.com. Monday, December 7th, 2009. Visiting Zimbabwe can be a heart-wrenching experience. It is a beautiful land of warm and soft-spoken people, but hovering over the landscape at all times is the specter of extreme poverty and political oppression. The poverty is merely tragic, but the political oppression is brutal, murderous, and criminal. Most of the people I met went quiet with fear on the subject of Robert Mugabe, afraid that a stranger may be a government agent, and and any criticism can make you the next target of his thugs. One innocent victim was Ben Fries, a sunny Christian farmer who, after publishing an article in the Western press about the illegal and murderous farm seizures being carried out by Mugabe's ZANU-PF party, was savagely beaten and later watched as his farm was burnt to the ground. When I met Freeth in Harada last week, he described to me and my friends from a Christian relief organization, Rock of Africa, who were hosting us, how in the midst of the assault that fractured his skull, he suddenly reached out and touched the feet of his assailants and said, bless you, bless you. That's nice, you say, but is it having any effect? Recently I saw another interesting article. Zimbabwe has become a nation of churches. September 15, 2009, in Freedom Writer. Perhaps faith is all that people have left to cling to in Zimbabwe's ongoing turbulent times. Congregations of all denominations are taking over every large empty building, defunct cinemas, theaters, barns, factories, and warehouses, and people congregate to worship even under large shady trees. Sundays reverberate with joyous music, and on Friday nights, more people are in church than in pubs. Church conventions in Zimbabwe gather extraordinary crowds. Thousands and thousands of people gather together to worship and pray for entire weekends of devoutness. The new charismatic churches appear to hold more for the bewildered populace than the older established churches like the Church of England, the Catholic, and the Presbyterian churches. Many struggling theaters and businesses make their main income from hiring out their premises to church groups on Sundays, and instead of pantomimes, operas, or farces, these auditoriums resound to the sound of people praying or speaking in tongues, and many are the voices of the poor who have little else 
to do except pray that their lives will take on a different turn. Now, what would account for that change in attitude and behavior? Because it's what overcame Rome, the world power 2,000 years ago. The Bible has an account in Acts 7, 59 and 60, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Why was he, an honest and righteous man, killed? Obviously there are malevolent forces at work in the world. But Stephen was able to rise above his being abused and pray for them. And then we have the extreme example of our Lord Jesus Christ, who when dying on the cross did not seek revenge. Luke 23:34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. So if our Lord could forgive, we have to forgive also. If we refuse, we are only hurting ourselves and blocking the healing process. This leads us into becoming bitter and hard-hearted, etc. And that means that we become like the abusers. Besides this, it could lead to an increase in sicknesses. The Mayo Clinic has an interesting article, Forgiveness, Letting Go of Grudges and Bitterness. When someone you care about hurts you, you can hold on to anger, resentment, and thoughts of revenge, or embrace forgiveness and move forward. By Catherine Piedemann, Ph.D. Nearly everyone has been hurt by the actions or words of another. Perhaps your mother criticized your parenting skills or your partner had an affair. These wounds can leave you with lasting feelings of anger, bitterness, and even vengeance. But if you don't practice forgiveness, you may be the one who pays most dearly. By embracing forgiveness, you embrace peace, hope, gratitude, and joy. There are those who follow Exodus 21, 23 to 25. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. That, however, was for the old covenant. We are now under the new covenant. John 1, 17, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. These days there are many misguided interpretations of Bible passages. One of our Lord Jesus Christ's main tasks was to give correct interpretations even to the devil. Well, in Matthew 4, 5-7, then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, th 
throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Another example of gross abuse of the Bible was in England recently. Monday, December 21st, 2009, priest outrages police by telling congregation, my advice to poor is to shoplift, by Graham Smith. Highly irresponsible, Father Tim Jones has been criticized after advising his congregation to shoplift following his nativity sermon. The married father of two insisted his unusual advice did not break the Bible commandment, thou shalt not steal, because God's love for the poor outweighs his love for the rich. Matthew 22:29. Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Now you may have noticed that I have been mentioning the Lord Jesus Christ. That's because he is the best way to get help. Matthew 4, 23 and 24. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Now that was 2,000 years ago. What is it like now? Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he still cares for you today. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the question is, will you let the Lord Jesus Christ help you so you can find rest for your souls? What exactly does the Bible say about forgiveness? Under the old covenant, when sins were committed, the offender brought an offering to the priest. Leviticus 19.22 The priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering before the Lord for his sin which he has committed and the sin which he has committed shall be forgiven him also godly leaders like Moses interceded for the people Numbers 14 9 pardon the iniquity of this people I pray according to the greatness of your mercy just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. But we are now under the new covenant. Our sins are no longer forgiven by the blood of animals, but by the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew twenty six twenty eight. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. 1 
1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Why don't we look at what the Bible says about forgiveness? Matthew 6, 9-15. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, uh, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. People have been using that prayer for a long time, but do they really mean it, or is it being used as a magical charm to ward off evil? Did you catch the conditional phrase, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors? But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will our Heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. I don't know how I could make it any clearer. If we refuse to forgive others, we are telling God not to forgive us. Do we really want that to happen? Now does our Lord really mean what he says? Matthew 18, 21-35 then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Until seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, and when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you and his master was angry and delivered him 
to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Forgiving from the heart is important. We don't have to stretch back too far to remember uh, incidences of public apologies. Were they really sorry for what was done or were they sorry for getting caught? Only God knows, but we have to forgive those who ask. And the greater the hurt is the longer it will take to forget it. We've all seen people mad at the world. They go around looking for a fight. Some call it having an attitude. Here we say that their demons are manifesting. If left unresolved, problems will appear in other areas like family, church, work, school, and society. Unforgiveness can lead to hatred, bitterness, etc. And that's not good. Well, 1 John 2, 11. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. 1 John 3.15 Whoever hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 4.20 If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen how can he love God whom he has not seen? Mark 11, 25 and 26. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Paul had some good advice for people in Ephesians 4.32. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. When situations arise that have to be dealt with, it is important to stay in control of the situation. Ephesians 4.26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. You may have noticed that I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way for lasting help. And I don't apologize for it. In fact, there's much evidence to support this. From the Times, December 27, 2008, this is an article entitled, As an Atheist, I Truly Believe Africa Needs God. Uh, missionaries, not aid, uh, money, are the solution to Africa's biggest problem, the crushing passivity of the people's mindset, by Matthew Pattis. Before Christmas, I returned after 45 years to the country that as a boy I knew as Nyasaland, today it's Malawi, and the Times Christmas Appeal includes a small British charity working there. Pump Aid helps rural communities to install a simple pump, letting people keep their village wells 
sealed and clean. I went to see this work. Uh, it inspired me, renewing my flagging faith in development charities. But traveling in Malawi refreshed another belief, uh, one I've been trying to banish all my life, but all observation I've been unable to avoid since my African childhood. It confounds my ideological beliefs, uh, stubbornly refuses to fit my worldview, and has embarrassed my growing belief that there is no God. Now, a confirmed atheist, I've become convinced of the enormous contribution that Christian evangelism makes in Africa, sharply distinct from the work of secular NGOs, government projects, and international aid efforts. These alone will not do. Education and training alone will not do. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings a spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. I used to avoid this truth by applauding, as you can, the practical work of mission churches in Africa. It's a pity, I would say, that salvation is a part of the package, but uh, Christians, black and white, working in Africa, do heal the sick, do teach people to read and write, and only the severest kind of secularist could see a mission hospital or school and say the world would be better without it. I would allow that if faith was needed to motivate missionaries to help, then fine, but what counted was the help, not the faith? But this doesn't the facts. Faith does more than support the missionaries. It is also transferred to his flock. This is the effect that matters so immensely, and which I cannot help observing. First, then, the observation. We had friends who were missionaries, and as a child, I stayed often with them. I also stayed alone with my little brother in a traditional rural African village in the city we had, working for us Africans who had converted and were strong believers. The Christians were always different. Far from having cowed or confined its converts, their faith appeared to have liberated and relaxed them. There was a liveliness a curiosity, an engagement with the world, a directness in their dealings with others that seemed to be missing in traditional African life. They stood tall. At 24, traveling by land across the continent reinforced this impression from Algiers to Niger, from Nigeria, Cameroon, and the Central African Republic, uh, then right through the Congo to Rwanda, Tanzania, and Kenya. Four student friends and I drove our old land rover to Nairobi. We slept under the stars, so it was important as we reached the more populated and lawless parts of the sub-Sahara that every day we find 
somewhere safe by nightfall, often near a mission. Whenever we entered a territory worked by missionaries, we had to acknowledge that something changed in the faces of the people we passed and spoke to, something in their eyes, the way they approached you direct, man to man, without looking down or away. They had not become more deferential towards strangers, in some ways less so, but more open. This time in Malawi it was the same. I met no missionaries. You do not encounter missionaries in the lobbies of expensive hotels discussing developmental strategy uh, documents as you do with the big NGOs, but instead I noticed that a handful of the most impressive African members of the Pompeii team, largely from Zimbabwe, were privately strong Christians. Privately because the charity is entirely secular and I never heard any of it. Teams so much as mention religion while working in the villages. But I picked up the Christian references in our conversation. One I saw was studying a devotional textbook in the car. One on Sunday went off to church at dawn for a two-hour service. It would suit me to believe that their honesty, diligence, and optimism and their work was uh, unconnected with personal faith. Their work was secular, but surely affected by what they were. What they were was, in turn, influenced by a conception of man's place in the universe that Christianity has taught. There's long been a fashion among Western academic sociologists for placing tribal value systems within a ring beyond critiques founded in our own culture, theirs and therefore best for them, authentic and of intrinsic equal worth to ours. I don't follow this. I observe that tribal belief is no more peaceable than ours and that it suppresses individuality. People think collectively, first in terms of the community, extended family and tribe. This rural traditional mindset feeds into the big man and gangster politics of the African city. The exaggerated respect for a swaggering leader and the literal inability to understand the whole idea of loyal opposition, anxiety, fear of evil spirits, of ancestors of nature and the wild, of a tribal hierarchy of quite everyday things, strikes deep into the whole structure of a rural African thought. Every man has his place, and call it fear or respect. A great weight grinds down the individual spirit, stunting curiosity. People won't take the initiative, won't take things into their own hands or on their own shoulders. Christianity, post-Reformation and post-Luther, with its teaching of a direct personal two-way link between the individual and God, unmediated by the collective and unsubordinate to any other human being, 
smashes straight through the philosophical and spiritual framework. It offers something to hold on to, those anxious to cast off a crushing tribal group think. That is why and how it liberates those who want Africa to walk tall amidst 21st century global competition must not kid themselves that providing the material means or even the knowledge that accompanies what we call development will make the change. A whole belief system must first be supplanted. And I'm afraid it has to be supplanted by another. Removing Christian evangelism from the African equation may leave the continent at the mercy of a malign fusion of Nike, the witch doctor, and the mobile phone, and the machete. So if an atheist from Africa can see the difference, we must seriously consider it. Matthew 16, 13-19 When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Have you made the best spiritual insurance preparations? Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Karl Marx said that religion was an opiate for the people. Why? Because then it enslaved the people instead of freeing them. Matthew 23, 4. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. John 8, 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word... You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Our Lord Jesus also says in Matthew 11.30, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Dr. Shredas Chandra Varma writes in his book, Death of a Guru, how his mother told him of another god, if he got into trouble. One day when he was walking outside, a king cobra rose up close to him. He called on his gods for help, but nothing happened. So he called out to Jesus, and immediately the snake departed. 
changing one's religion will be dramatic, like Paul on the road to Damascus. Acts 9, 1-6. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Our Lord Jesus Christ may reveal himself like that or else in the scriptures. Luke twenty-four forty-four to 49 Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. But when one comes to Christ, there is a difference in their lives. In fact, it is good to read the, bio the biographies of the great men of faith like Martin Luther, John Knox, and Charles Chinnike. Now, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation is a few years away in 2017, and I'm sure that all God's people are praying for a revival of the Reformation. It may involve some changes. The Telegraph, October 20th, 2009, by Damien Thompson, religious section. Pope announces plans for Anglicans to convert en masse. There is clearly a historical gesture by Pope Benedict which will encourage thousands of disaffected Anglicans to become Roman Catholics. So if you are disaffected with your religion or church, call on the Lord Jesus Christ to guide you what to do and where to go. And ladies, if you are tired of being treated like second-class people, check out the Gospels. Jesus Christ ministered in agape love to women much more than any other religion. Galatians 3.28 There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
There are many examples of women serving God, even in the Old Testament, like Queen Esther and Deborah the prophetess. In modern times, there's Fanny Crosby, Cory Ten Boom, and Joni Erickson-Tada. Fanny was born in 1820 and became blind shortly thereafter. She didn't let bitterness and unforgiveness keep her down. God's grace was poured out mightily on her, and the love of God flowed through her, bringing forgiveness, peace, and hope. How else could a blind lady born 200 years ago write 9,000 hymns? A line in one of the hymns sums up her life. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Cory Ten Boom was born in Holland in 1892. Uh, being committed Christians, her family sheltered Jews and others and helped them to freedom. But they were betrayed in 1944 and sent to concentration camps where her father and sister died God kept Corey alive, and after the war, she was used to spread Christ's love and forgiveness around the world. Joni Erzantada had a diving accident in 1967, which left her a quadriplegic. After working through how God could let that happen to her, she has let God's love and grace flow through her so much that she now has an international ministry helping the disabled. So you can either let the hardships of life keep you down or you can take affirmative action and do something about it. I offer you a life-changing message. God provides forgiveness for the past, peace for today, and hope for tomorrow through the shed blood of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. There are no shortage of programs out there, but I prefer God's way. For the love of God is the only way to overcome all the hatred of the world. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But aren't there other ways to heaven? John 14:6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4:12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, by which we must be saved. Why do we need to be saved? Because sin brought dire consequences to the human race. Genesis 2, 16 and 17, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How can the Holy God bring us back to Him? Colossians 1.21 and 2 
And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Second Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews 2.17 Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Why did our Lord Jesus Christ have to shed his blood? Hebrews 9.22 and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. Hebrews 10, 1-23 For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away this. Therefore when he came into the world he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings, and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds, sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these there is no longer an
Therefore, brethren, having uh, boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Does God really want people to come back to him? In Acts 17, 30 and 31. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he hath ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Revelation 3, 19 and 20. As many as I love, I rebuke. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. Is this what God wants for us? John 6:40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. John six twenty eight and 29. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he hath sent. If we give ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, have we any security? But John 10, 28. 29, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So with this all-inclusive guarantee, the loss of salvation is only a false doctrine, based on good works not God's grace. Is Jesus Christ the only way to heaven? John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 10 to 12. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, God raised from the dead. By him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. John 11:25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Hebrews 7.25 
Therefore, he is able, also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. You may have noticed that Jesus Christ redeemed us to God by himself. First uh, Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And good works have nothing to do with salvation. Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all alike an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade of belief, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I am so thankful that God in his grace saved me. Having a Presbyterian background, I joined the church at 16. However, something was lacking. Mark 7, 6. He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you? Hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips but their heart is far from me. And the Holy Spirit kept prodding me. One morning in the school cafeteria, a few weeks later, while reading my Gideon's New Testament, I went through the sinner's prayer. Praise the Lord. Religious people can be the hardest to get saved. One of our friends, now home with Jesus, was a Methodist minister for 30 years before he got saved. Now people say that biblical Christianity is so restrictive. At the beginning, there was only one thing Adam could not do. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. However, he couldn't even do that, and sin and death <coughs> became ingrained in humanity. Under the New Covenant, the early church uh, considered another important matter, Acts 15, 22 to 29. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was <coughs> named Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them. The apostles, the elders, and the brethren to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard uh, that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your soul, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment, it seemed good to us being assembled by one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore 
and Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. Sexual immorality is a major stumbling block for many. God's ways are not compatible with the world's standards. 1 John 2.16 For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Idolatry and the occult have always been an affront to God. Deuteronomy 9-14 When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omen, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you will dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners, but as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. 1 Corinthians 10:14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Many years ago, I became interested in parapsychology. Not being sure of it, I asked the church, and no one had any problems with it. Thankfully, the Lord didn't let me get in too deep before getting me out. If you are not sure about it, check out the scriptures. Kirk Koch wrote many books exposing the occult. The main one is Occult ABC, where he recounts how believers got oppressed by occult involvement. The last big area deals with eating blood. In case it's hard to keep things in order, our Lord sums it up for us in Matthew 22, 35-40. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greater commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Yes, biblical Christianity, like Jesus Christ, operates on love. Matthew 14, 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and healed their sick. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. 
by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And it's in love that our Lord Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So why not let our Lord Jesus Take your heavy burdens of sin and unforgiveness. He offers you forgiveness, peace, and hope through his shed blood. All you have to do is come to him in simple, sincere faith. But do not delay. Second Corinthians 6, 1 and 2. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you feel a stirring within you, it's probably God's Holy Spirit prodding you to take action. And a little simple prayer is all God wants from you, confessing your sins and turning your life over to something like Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that you are the Son of God, the Messiah who came in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil. You died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. I now confess all my sins and repent. I claim forgiveness and cleansing. I believe that your blood cleanses me now from all sin. Thank you for redeeming me, cleansing me, justifying me and sanctifying me in your blood and when you do do it your sins are forgiven your name is written in the book of life your own spirit is cleaned up and sealed with God's Holy Spirit Ephesians 1 11 to 14 in him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Salvation doesn't cost us anything, but following Christ as Lord will cost us everything. Matthew 10:38. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And when we have a right relationship with God through His Son, we can move on to the next stage of healing. This involves a straightening out our relationships with others. The unforgiveness, resentment, and bitterness have to be dealt with. Here is another little prayer you can follow along with. Lord God, I have a confession to make. 
I have not loved, but have resented certain people who hurt or disappointed me and have held unforgiveness in my heart. I call upon you, Lord, to help me forgive them. I do now forgive them, both living and dead, and ask you to forgive them also and bless them. Lord, I do now forgive and accept myself in the name of Jesus Christ. And when we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have access to his promises. If you had to describe the world in one word, peaceful would not be one of them. But that is exactly what God offers us. Do you know that peace is mentioned 390 times in the Bible? Psalm 4.8 I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalm 29.11 The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with Psalm 34:14 Depart from evil and do good seek peace and pursue it Psalm 37:11 But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace Matthew 5:9 Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God John 14:27 Peace I leave with you my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 16:33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 20:21. 20, so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Romans 14:19. Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Paul has some good advice to a local church in Colossians 3:12-17. Therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You may have noticed that I used a lot of scripture. Actually, there was a time when believers were called people of the book. Of the many means I've heard of Christians called today 
that is not one of them. Many years ago it worked. Nicknames were assigned to everyone without them knowing. I was labeled Bible John because I used to read my Bible when not busy. Well, a while later the names were made public and the one who named me was so embarrassed he could hardly say it. I considered it an honor and still do. You see, Jesus Christ is the Word of God. John 1, 1 1-4 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. How long will it last? Luke 21-33 Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now what importance is placed on the word of God? John fourteen twenty four. He who does not love me does not keep my word. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. James 1, 21 to 25. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. It's important to get into the habit of reading some of the Bible every day and ask our Lord to reveal his truth to you, Luke 24, 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And as you get to know our Lord Jesus better, you will see that he is able to get us through life's storm, just like he did before. Mark 4, 37 to 41. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be, that even the wind and the sea obey him? You will be amazed at how Jesus Christ helped those who came to him. On Matthew 4, 23 and 24, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of 
sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And what our Lord did yesterday, he still expects us to do today. Mark 16, 14 to 18. Lady reappeared to the eleven out of the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen and he said to them go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. But before God will do much through us, we will have to get rid of unbelief and hardness of heart. Uh, they will first have to be confessed as sin. First John 1, 9 and 10. So we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Then we can obey our Lord's command to cast out the demons. What would you say is a major factor against Christianity. 1 John 4, 1-3 Behold, or beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Do you know how many spirits are mentioned in the Bible? Take a Cruden's Concordance and look up the spirit of. You will see a list of both good and evil ones. An example is 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And when we are dealing with the abuse syndrome, there will be a lot of fear. It is important to let God's love work through us. 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. The authority we use is from our Lord in Matthew 16:19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This kind of spiritual warfare and deliverance Faded out for the 
most part of the church history, but has only recently made a comeback. But thankfully, believers have the precious blood of Jesus Christ to help them, such as, I place the blood of Jesus Christ in our doorposts. I draw the bloodline of Jesus around all of our possessions and properties, and I sprinkle or place the blood of Jesus upon myself and my family. Through the blood of Jesus, I am redeemed out of the hand of the devil. Through the blood of Jesus, all my sins are forgiven. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, is cleansing me now from all sin. Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified, made righteous, just as if I had never sinned. Through the blood of Jesus, I am sanctified, made holy, set apart for God. My body is a temple for the Holy Spirit, redeemed, cleansed, sanctified by the blood of Jesus. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, body, soul, and spirit. His blood protects me from all evil. Because of the blood of Jesus, Satan has no more power over me, no more place in me. I renounce him and his hosts completely and declare them to be my enemies. In Revelation 12:11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Paul shows us where our attention should be focused. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So our task is to battle the hosts of hell and get freedom from them. Second Corinthians 10, 3-6 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And by harassing and grappling with the demons, we can annihilate, conquer, demolish, and eradicate them. 
If you want more information on spiritual warfare and deliverance, check out Pastor Wynn Worley's material at hbcdelivers.org. I have seen and been involved in different kinds of deliverance. This is serious stuff in engaging demonic forces. I have been involved in deliverance sessions where it took ten men to hold down one manifesting man. Our Lord Jesus left us an example of how to deal with them. Matthew 8, uh, 28-34 When he had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men, coming out of the tomb exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you? Jesus, you Son of God, have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a good way off from them there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. Then those who kept them fled, and they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus and when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. Mark 5 and Luke 8 have similar accounts. If you are serious about getting into deliverance, spend much time in prayer and preparation. Mark 9, 17-29 Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son, who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered them and said, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and walloped, wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. 
said the spirit, cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. For people with these powerful demons, strong deliverance is needed. Counseling will not get rid of these. Feeling good techniques, which include visualization and inner healing, won't get the big demons out. Dave Hunt, a well-known Christian author, wrote Seduction of Christianity and Beyond Seduction, where he mentions about the occult principles of visualization. Therefore, I don't use it. There are other methods used which are not found in the Bible and which are portrayed in movies like holding up a cross, which may be good theatrics, but not very effective. Uh, World Weekly News, April 10th, 1990. Attempt to force Satan out of girls' bodies backfires when priests burst into flames during exorcism. Holy Man's Horrible Death Rocks Vatican by David Tanner, correspondent. A Catholic priest exploded in flames when a demon-possessed schoolgirl attacked him with balls of white-hot energy that shot from the palms of her hands. The death of Father Louis Ponce stunned church officials who called the holy man one of the premier exorcists of the century, or any other. We knew Father Ponce was in for a fight, but never expected anything like this, said a Vatican spokesman who requested anonymity. What happened to him is beyond human comprehension. Our only understanding will come from God. The tragic exorcism unfolded after the parents of a nine-year-old girl visited Father Ponce at his parish and asked him to do something for their daughter. And neither the girl nor her parents who lived in Barcelona, Spain, were identified in reports. But the Vatican officials said the child was perfectly normal until March 21st when she uh, underwent a complete transformation of personality and tried to stab her parents with a kitchen knife. She seemed to possess superhuman strength and became increasingly violent, said the official. According to my information, she strangled her pet cat and slashed a schoolmate with a broken bottle. She cursed violently and ugly cuts and bruises appeared on her face and body for no reason whatsoever. In his report prior to the exorcism, Father Ponce said, The girls are definitely possessed. There is no psychological or physical explanation for her behavior. An evil spirit has taken control, and an exorcism is mandatory. Father Ponce 
chose three seasoned assistants to help him perform the exorcism and arrived at the family's home at 10 a.m. on March 26th. I said the official. The girl instantly lashed out of the priest with a torrent of curses, then shook violently and began to clod her body when he held out a crucifix and began to pray. The exorcism took a turn for the worse, said the official. Father Ponce sprinkled holy water on the girl while his assistants held her in bed and the room filled with the smell of rotting flesh. For a split second, the demon emerged from the girl's mouth, exposing black, scaly skin and a face so horrifying her mother threw up. When the demon returned to the child's body, she broke away from Father Ponce's assistance. Blood began to flow from her eyes as she raised her hands to chest level. Her body began to shake. Then two balls of energy shot from her hands and hit Father Ponce in the chest, burning him as badly as if you had soaked him in gasoline and a match. I'm told uh, that he literally exploded in flames. A few seconds later, the girl returned uh, to normal and had no recollection of what had happened. We don't know whether Father Ponce banished the demon prior to his death or if it left on its own. Spanish authorities acknowledge that the incident is under investigation, but referred all questions to the Vatican. Would there be any similar occurrences in the Bible? Well, in Acts 19, 13-20, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Siva, Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also many of those who had practiced magic, brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So what's the difference? Our Lord Jesus promised to take care of his own, Luke 10, 17-21, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he 
said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Remember that one of the byproducts of the uh, seven sons of Siva was the believers getting out of the occult. Interesting. That's one of the items that the church leaders told the new Christians to stay away from. So, what are you going to do? Having been victims of abuse, you will need more than counseling or self-help groups. You need the Lord Jesus Christ to help you. As to how fast the healing process occurs, it is entirely up to God. The best attitude is to expect a longer process, and if it takes less, you will have more to thank God for. But as this is a life-changing message, it will uh, take a lifelong commitment from you to our Lord Jesus Christ. You will not be abandoned by Him. That's because of Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his promise is still valid. You can trust him. Matthew 11.28-30 Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So God has promised or provided forgiveness for you through the shed blood of His Son. Yes. God offers peace to His children. God also gives hope for the future for His children. These blessings are freely available to God's children. Galatians 3.26 for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So if you want to take advantage of God's love offer, call him his son, Jesus Christ. Yes. Lord Jesus, if I have never really asked you into my heart, I am asking you here and now to come in and to save me from all my sin. In Romans 15, 4, for whatever things were written uh, before were written for your learn for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Titus two eleven to fourteen. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that uh, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously.
righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So to summarize, God offers salvation to us through the shed blood of his Son, Jesus Christ. He also offers restoration for our soul. And with the Holy Spirit, he offers us freedom from evil spirits. And so we can see how God has provided forgiveness for the past, peace for the present, and hope for the future. Yes. The blood of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have covered a lot of ground today, and you may need some time to reflect upon it. But for those who realize that Jesus Christ is their only hope, talk to your pastor about the new and abundant life God offers. And if you need any more assistance, please contact us. Amen. Amen. Uh, If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Omega Man Radio Network. It's been our pleasure to have John Franklin from Canada on tonight. Uh, John, we've only got about ten minutes left in the program. Uh, would you give out your contact information on how people can get a hold of you? Okay, sure. Best way is we're in Eastern Ontario. The best thing is call because we're out in the countryside. Six one three three four six one four nine three, or uh, or our uh, email address is cos dot at com. Brother, that was an anointed word of God tonight. Um, if I didn't have a second program at the 10 o'clock hour, we would go into a third hour. We're going to have to have you back on uh, to do a warfare prayer and a mass deliverance. Would you be able to come back on again? Sure, anytime. Okay. Um, John, again, it was an honor and a pleasure to have you on tonight. And What I'm going to do, folks, is uh, we're going to close with a, uh, a song called Give Me Jesus by the Franklins. And uh, if you didn't get to catch this whole program, it will be up in the MP3 archive tonight. So. Um, we will be bringing John back on to do a, a full mass deliverance and warfare prayer on the next program. Does that sound good, John? Yep, sounds good. Absolutely. God bless you, my friend. And we'll, we'll see you again on the next uh, program. Lord bless us. Good night. Thank you, sir. You've been listening to John Franklin from Canada. Uh, we want to thank John for coming on tonight. And uh, we're going to close tonight with a song called Give Me Jesus.
You've been listening to Omega Man Radio Network. That was uh, John and Brenda Franklin. We want to thank them for the music tonight. Uh, that was a great message, and we'll be putting a link up to John if you would like to contact them to have them speak at your church, if you'd like to order a copy of their music. And we're going to have John back on very soon to do a, a warfare prayer with a full mass deliverance over the year. Um, thank you so much, John, for coming on tonight. God bless you. And um, stay tuned, folks. In about uh, five minutes, we'll be starting the second program tonight. It's called Conversations on the Backside of the Desert, Campfire Chat, with Zoe Mortal, Johnny Ova, Richard Keltner from Watchman Radio, and uh, Rock Rodrigo, myself. We'll be doing uh, open lines. If you need deliverance, prayer, whatever your request is tonight, we'll take it to the Lord in prayer with you. And uh, we'll see you back in about five minutes. Thank you for listening to Omega Man Radio. Our mission is to operate in the threefold ministry of Jesus Christ and take evangelism, deliverance from demons, and miracle healing to the world. If you would like to partner with us, you can support this work by donating any amount online at OmegaManRadio.com. Join us in an all-out attack against the hosts of hell. It's time to deliver a death blow to the enemy and take back territory for Jesus. Tell a friend and support Omega Man Radio.